Our gospel lesson today comes from the 20th chapter of John, starting in verse 19, right after the resurrection appearance to Mary Magdalene. It was still the first day of the week. That evening, while the disciples were behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with joy. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they aren't forgiven. Thomas, the one called Didymus, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger in the wounds left by the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. After eight days, his disciples were again in a house, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus entered and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your hand into my side. No more disbelief. Believe. Thomas responded to Jesus, my Lord and my God. Jesus replied, do you believe because you see me? Happy are those who don't see and yet believe. Then Jesus did many other miraculous signs in his disciples' presence, signs that aren't recorded in this scroll. But these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, and that believing, you will have life in his name. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth And the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Lately, when having theological conversations around the dinner table or on the way to school or on a bike ride, My six-year-old will say something like this, I hope we see God. Or I wish we could see God. Have you ever tried to explain to a six-year-old that we believe in an unseen being? I'm supposed to have the answers to that question. I'm supposed to be able to tell you how to tell your five or six-year-old about how to answer that question. I've even tried the, well, we look around, we can't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind type of answer. But none of those are completely sufficient. Because Jesus knows that we need to see. He knows that we need to see. And that's why he appears to the disciples in his risen state. Mary Magdalene, the first evangelist and preacher, 
earlier in this chapter in John, Jesus appears to her as the gardener. She, she, she didn't know that he had risen when she saw the empty tomb. She assumed something else had happened. So then when she sees him, she first thinks that he's the gardener until he calls her by name and says, Mary. Then she could see. Jesus meets the disciples in this text, 11 of them. Thomas isn't there in this scene. So I guess 10 of them without Thomas right now. They're gathered around. They're in a locked room. Jesus somehow comes into the locked room, meets them, shows them his hands and his side immediately, shows them who he is, and then they can see. They know that it's him. All Thomas wants in this scene is the same thing that the disciples already got. So Jesus goes to him, tells him to touch his hands and his side. And then Thomas, too, could see. Friends, Jesus knows that we need to see. There is no such thing as blind faith. And yet, my daughter is right. We don't see Jesus like those disciples did. It's not the same. So when Jesus states, happy are those who don't see and yet believe, he's talking about us. Jesus knows that we will need assurance along this journey. He knows we will need assurance. We have these things in life, right, where, where we know we've experienced something, we know it's important, but, but I need to be sure of it. I need, a, I need a reminder. A wedding ring can serve as this way. I remember this day on August 1st, 2010, right, forever. I'll never forget the moments of that day. But there is something tangible about the commitment and the reminder of that that happens when I see this ring on me, when I feel it around me. The only times I take this thing off are when I go swimming like in an ocean because I'm terrified of losing it there. And now when I play basketball with the kids because it likes to fall off while I dribble. But besides that, right, if someone takes off their wedding ring intentionally, like in a movie, you kind of know what they're gonna go do, right? Like they're, they're trying to rid themselves physically somehow of the commitment. Photographs are another way that we are reminded of things that, that have happened and, the, and that we have seen. These past couple of weeks, my kids have taken books off the shelf where they've found books of photos that we put together so that they're not just having to see them on a screen, but they can see the pictures from when they were born and their first month or so of life, of their grandparents holding them for the first time, of, of them in their first breaths. And it's incredible to see that even though they weren't there, they start to put two and two together, that this indeed was them, and that they were so loved from the first moment they were born. They have some form of assurance in that. My wife doesn't know I'm going to preach this right now, but... She had up, up in her room at her parents' house, there's this yellow softball that sits, that sits up on the shelf on the mantle. And it has all of her teammates' signatures 
from her time in high school when she pitched a no-hitter, all right? And, and it is a tangible reminder, right, that that happened. It's not just any other softball. She could say she pitched a no-hitter, but when the ball's there, it, 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 it means something more. We need evidence and a reminder that something significant has happened. Jesus knows we will need assurance. He knows the disciples need it. And so what he does is he gives us the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus walks into this room. It's locked. He says to the disciples, peace be with you. Shows them his hands and his side, and he says to them again, peace be with you. And then he does the strangest thing. At least it appears strange to us, right? He breathes on them and tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is the animating force of life from the very beginning. If we remember that God breathed into Adam the breath of life and man became a living being. That Jesus in this moment is actually recreating the disciples and recreating us in the new creation. The Holy Spirit, Jesus had promised just a few chapters ago in John 14, right? When he promises them that he will send them another advocate, another counselor who will be with them always. He promises that that spirit won't be able to come unless, unless he ascends up to his father. The Holy Spirit is the way that today we meet God and commune with God after Jesus ascends. My daughter is right. We don't see the risen Jesus. But I know that I have experienced the presence and power of the living God through the presence of the Holy Spirit. Friends, faith Faith is trusting that this presence that we have experienced is in fact the risen Christ who is active in our lives. Can I provide you with the hard evidence that in the summer of 1998, when I was 13 years old, that Jesus met me in a powerful way? Can I provide you the hard evidence that when a group of middle school students that I was with, about 15 of us gathered and prayed for two hours one night, as I could never imagine a 14-year-old doing in any form, could I prove that that was indeed the spirit of the risen Christ and not just hormonally charged teenagers? No, I cannot prove it. But we have a lot of witnesses and a lot of people who have experienced similar things, who tell the same stories of Jesus. And Jesus meets us all. No matter where we are, just like he met the disciples where they were, so Jesus meets us all. Wherever we are, and the way that Jesus meets us then is through the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus also then, he knows that others will need to see. He knows that others will need to see. And so he sends the church. Right, Jesus says to them, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And when he says you, it's plural. I'm sending y'all. The church is the mission of God. The church welcomes people into a life of following Jesus 
into living life as it is in the new creation. Friends, we are part of the work of making God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This, this is what we are saved for. It is to be light in a world that Jesus spoke about. It is to be the bread of life and to be living water. So then I ask, what does it mean to be a sent people on quarantine? What does it mean to be a sent people on quarantine? Being sent is not about meeting in a building. In fact, being sent is the opposite of gathering in a building like this. So what we are learning to do in this strange time is more akin to being the church. Have you ever seen a centrifuge or at least know how they work? In a sense, what's happening to us right now is that we are being spun out into the world, into our neighborhoods and friendships and families. Being part of God's mission in the world does not imply that you are here, whether that here is at Macedonia United Methodist Church or any other church where you usually worship or are around. Being part of God's mission in the world does not mean that you are here all of the time. So right now, what we're doing is we're getting creative because we have to. We meet virtually and are encouraged to love one another. We share food with the community in a Friday drop-off, and we make sure the families that we know of through the school are well-fed. We check in on our neighbors and make sure that they're doing well. And we check in on people's mental and emotional health more than maybe we ever have. We call people more than we have called, and we FaceTime our families a lot as we are sent into the world. The coronavirus does not stop the work of the church. It reminds us that this work should mostly take place outside of these walls. At the end of every bulletin that we produce here at Macedonia, there's, there's, there's four sections of that bulletin. The one right before the benediction says we are sent into the world. We are sent into the world. Friends, what we do in worship is always a gathering in, but then always a sending out, a sending forth. And then for the vast majority of your week until you come that next Sunday, you are out as a sent people into the world, out to go and bless the world. You are sent forth from this place. Not because it's not sweet and wonderful to gather together, and indeed we want that. Indeed, we long for that. But because the very purpose of us being gathered together is to get strength for the journey so that we can be sent out once again. We ask this question in our measures at Macedonia. Around the measure of passion, we ask this question, where did you see God today? Where did you see God today? 
I would contend that if you didn't see God today, one of two things is happening. Either you are not looking or God is not there. Either you're not looking or God is not there. And even further, I'll promise you this, that if you practice looking, then you will see. If you practice looking, then you will see. We've just finished this Lent study we were doing that extended an extra week into Easter that was called Lent for Everyone, and T. Wright wrote it. And I've been thinking, uh, because during this time, I, I've really enjoyed the, the opportunity to connect with many of you by video every day and to, and, and to have that as a practice that we can participate in together. So we're going to begin an Easter practice together. And, and you received an email about this on Friday. Um, but it's something that's called Life Together Apart by Kate Bowler. And, and the, the subtext of it is seven weeks of searching for hope in Easter. Kate is someone who I've talked about before as, uh, as someone who is a, I greatly respect her, her theological mind and also uh, just as a person. She was like my TA while I was in seminary at Duke and, and became a professor there after I, after I graduated and was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer um, a few years back and wrote a wonderful memoir about that called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. Um, so Kate, in this series then, will open each week with a video. Um, that brief five or six minute video then leads into having a daily uh, reflection time, both in the morning and then also in the evening. At the end of the day, that reflection includes you writing three signs of hope that you saw in the day. Three signs of hope. In other words, where did you see God today? And then I'll send a daily video Monday through Friday to encourage you on the journey of searching for God's presence in the midst of this craziness. Friends, marking time and having a, having a rhythm in life is important. One thing that sends us into deeper depths of depression or sadness or isolation is not knowing what day it is. And, and I, like, it's tough to know what day it is sometimes during this season. I know I'm not the only one feeling that. Or not having the typical rhythm where we do this thing on Tuesday at 10 a.m. and we have this meeting that always happens at this time. So I wanna invite you to join in this practice during this season especially as a way to mark a rhythm of time in life and to recognize that God is still in the business of meeting us and sending us forth into our world, even without our typical daily and weekly activities. Friends, the goal of this is that we are going to see God together in the midst of this time. We are. God has not abandoned us God is with us, breathing his Holy Spirit into us to assure us and then sending us forth in that spirit in his power. May we emerge from this time, from this season, more confident than ever that the risen Jesus is alive, meeting us where we are and sending us out to be signs of hope and of God's presence 
everywhere. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.